I never thought I could run a marathon. I never thought I could run a half marathon. I never thought I could run a 10K. And it's like, you do these things and you're like, who is this girl? Like, I look back and I'm like, I knew she was always there, but it's so cool because you're always becoming and to see yourself evolve is, is so awesome. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi bringing you a special installment of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about everything from their big wins to how they've gotten through life's toughest moments. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. For today's special episode, I am bringing you my conversation from last weekend at the New York Roadrunners Run Center featuring the New Balance Run Hub. I chatted with Samia Akbar. She's a marketing manager for New Balance. Molly Ritterbeck, she is the fitness training and health director for Runners World Magazine and Bicycling, as well as Lindsay Clayton, a Barry's Bootcamp senior instructor, run coach, and co-founder of Brave Body Project. And the four of us gals caught up in honor of International Women's Day and talked about how sport has made us who we are today. I love what Lindsay said about our discussion on her Instagram. She said, the more we as women tell our stories, the tales of our successes, our failures, and everything in between, the more we can learn from each other and in turn, lift each other up. Couldn't have summed it up better myself. If you like what you hear today, tag me over on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Hurdle Podcast, at Emily Abadi. And a huge thanks to my friends at New Balance for having us. They're offering Hurdle listeners a really awesome deal. It's 20% off purchases of over $100 at newbalance.com using the promo code HURDLE20 at checkout. Again, for 20% off your purchase over $100, use HURDLE2020 at checkout at newbalance.com. I know the next logical question. What's your favorite New Balance sneaker? Well, <laughs> my go-to lately is the New Balance 890 V7. It is perfect for picking up the pace. I love it for both treadmill and outdoor work. Another favorite of mine for running long, the New Balance 1080 V10. It's a super plush cushioned ride that makes me feel like I can go for miles and miles. Head on over to newbalance.com and check it out for yourself. If you have a hurdle moment of your own to share or you just want to say hi, you can always reach me over at emily at hurdle.us. And one last note, it's crazy out there, guys. I feel it. I know you feel it. So stay safe, wash your hands, and be kind to people, okay? With that, let's get to hurdling. Let's introduce the ladies to my left. I'll hand it over to you. you. No one introduces anyone better than themselves. So, Lindsay, kick me off. Hi, guys. I'm Lindsay. I am a run coach. I am a senior instructor at Barry's Bootcamp, and I'm the co-founder of Brave Body Project. Hello, everyone. Good to see your smiling faces. My name is Samia Akbar, and I um, work at New Balance. 
uh, Athletics Inc. based in Boston. I work in the marketing department and I'm responsible for launching all of our um, performance running product around the globe. Hi, I'm Molly Ritterbeck. I am the fitness training and health director at Runner's World Magazine and Bicycling Magazine. All right, so today we are talking about women and sport and our relationship with sport. Curious poll of the audience. How many people here would say that they started with sport at a young age? Raise your hand. How many people in here would say they started in sport as an adult? I consider myself in the adult area. You know, I played AYSO soccer in Connecticut, but extent of my athletics growing up. I'm curious. I would love to kick us off by hearing about what your introductions to sport really look like. Molly, why don't you get me started? I've played sport since I was like six, as, as long as I can remember. Um, I played soccer, basketball, t-ball growing up. I was big into team sports and I was a cheerleader at one point. Um, and then as I became an adult, I got, I shifted a little bit more into endurance sports. T-ball. T-ball at six. I was a first base player, first base woman. Um, yeah, very proud of that. I quit after they took away the T. <laughs> it's tough. Samia, what about you? So I didn't play really any organized sports when I was younger. I was a tomboy and um, I lived in a development where basically I just like hopped in anything that all of the neighborhood kids were doing. So that was pretty much my thing. I mean, as I got a little bit older, I had an aunt that is a horseback rider and I started like going to these like camps and stuff and I got into riding a little bit. But um, for the most part, running, has been one of these things where, you know, I have a large family and my brothers and sisters all like played soccer or did dance. And by the time like I came around, I'm one of the younger ones. They were just like, we don't have any money for any of these activities. So, you know, just like keep going and running's like really straightforward. You know, you don't need a lot of equipment. You can do it on your own or with a group. And as I got older, you know, I found other people that, you know, did like summer track and, and that sort of thing. So uh, that's that was kind of my entree in, into running. My dad used to like run sometimes as part of his like workout regimen and I would go with him. But that that's pretty much it. This begs the question, how many of you think that we have overcomplicated running? Like you just, you just said, all we need is like a pair of sneakers and the will to get out there. Yet for some reason, it is so easy to make so many excuses as to why we just can't run. Lindsay, talk to me about your experience with sport growing up. Yeah, so I uh, grew up as a professional dancer from the time, well, I started as a dancer, turned into a professional dancer. So I started dancing when I was three. I also was like a cheerleader growing up. I was the captain, which was a great... Uh, precursor to me being a fitness instructor in New York City, I think, like a hype girl. Um, I, I had like a brief stint in track when I was in high school, but because of my dance background, I would do hurdles and grand jeté over them and be like the last one, but did it very eloquently. So that didn't last. So I was a professional dancer. And then about 10 years ago is when I really started taking running and, and sports seriously. It's interesting, right? Also, because when you're young and you are participating in sports, so much of it is just fun and games and socializing. So my next question for all of you is, do you remember when you realized that sport had this like competitive aspect, like when you felt like it was bigger than just having fun out there? 
I, I'll go first. Speaking from a dance perspective, like I was taught from a very early age that dance was very competitive. Like I was a competition dancer. So there was always like a very competitive, very strict edge to everything that I did. That's that for me personally. Um, I think because, like I was saying, I was a tomboy when I was younger, it felt competitive from the beginning. So that was like, you know, it's always fun to win things. That was kind of my attitude. Um, and I, I think that's kind of the beauty of my connection with sport over the years is that I feel like, especially with women and girls, you kind of start to shrink yourself as you age in a lot of different areas in your life. And I feel so lucky that I've been able to hang on to like having that light and taking up space and wanting to compete with other people, whether it was men or women. And so that started at a, at a pretty young age. But I think also there was a big fun aspect. It wasn't all just the competition piece. Yeah, I, I was the same way. I was so serious when I was a kid. Like. <laughs> you're playing basketball and you're 12. Like, it's not that serious, but there was always, I was a very competitive, I am a very competitive person. So I feel like that through line was always there. And actually in my adult life, I, I, I don't race as much anymore just because I want to preserve the fun. And I, I know myself well enough to know like when the training stops being fun, for me, I, I, I don't want to lose that. So I try to maintain that within sport. I think so many of us also as adults lean into sport as an outlet to de-stress or again, as uh, the panel that just happened for with Allie, the woman we're talking about how they lean into sport to get through hard stuff, like to get through breakups, to get through stuff, tough stuff at the office. So for adults, especially, I mean, yes, we can be a competitive, but I almost feel as if it's so critical that we adopt that approach that you have as well. Um, I love what Samia said about uh, learning from a young age to take up space. What a valuable lesson that sport has taught you. What other lessons would you say that participating in sport from a young age has given you, uh, even through now to your adultness? I, I feel like it's endless. I mean, especially because I played team sports, understanding how to work as a team, I feel that every day in my career. So, you know, things that go so far beyond the run or the game or whatever it is, it, it transfers into your, into your everyday life. Um, the other things I felt like I took away from that was I, just the belief in yourself. You accomplish these things that, you know, maybe you didn't think were possible, but you, but you do them. And so I carry that with me throughout all areas of my life as well. Just to kind of piggyback off of that, that's a really big one, is the belief in yourself. I came from, I grew up in the suburbs. I'm from Northern Virginia of Washington, D.C. And a lot of times I would be like the only person of color in my whole grade. And I think that it was very, you know, like my, my family, we all have like really strong personalities and they always instilled a lot of like self-confidence and independence in myself and my sisters, but I think that it was really, really cool to kind of have this journey where I carved out space for myself and I did something that I enjoyed. And as I got older um, and, you know, awkward in high school, uh, I really, really saw my body as something that, you know, was 
just like strong and formidable and something to take care of and to be valued. And that it was very clear that it carved out this really nice space for me at a young age, that it was outside of anybody else's uh, gaze, right? Um, because I think that that's another like weird thing as you're, as, you're, as you're getting older. And so I think it just like gave me this really nice ba base of strength and perseverance and it bleeds into everything that that you do, you know, um, and also allows you to think pretty like critically about your focuses and start to think about the things that are really important to you. If you have goals in running, which I did because I ran in high school and then I ran at American University on full scholarship. And then I ran as a professional sponsored by Reebok for about seven years. And it teaches you that, that you can do so many things. You can do whatever you want but maybe not all at the same time. And so, you know, everybody has like different seasons in their life and running definitely taught me that you, you know, if there's something that you care about or that you have a goal that you wanna achieve, you just have to carve out space and stay focused and patient and consistent and really nurture everything to kind of like push that thing forward, you know, for success, so. Did you think when you were a young girl that you would make some sort of brief career out of sport? No. So I, like I said, it was fun and I could beat all the boys in sixth grade in the mile, right? So that was awesome. And, um, you know, as I got older, it didn't occur to me until uh, like my junior, senior year in high school that running was even... Like I, I never really connected the people I saw at the Olympics with like a full career as as an as a runner, right? And um, I think that it wasn't until I started to get recruited for school where I, you know, became very aware of this other world that I could do that for a living, and it was really really exciting. Lindsay, talk to me. Yeah, I mean, geez, dance taught me. First of all, it, gave, it made me strong, right? It made me to learn, it helped me become strong in my own body and to understand the power of that. Also dance and, I mean, I was like a theater nerd growing up, but it taught me so much about persistence and being resilient. It gave me so much responsibility. And I think as I got older, I mean, there were also good things and bad things about growing up in dance because there was a lot of negative body image issues that I had to deal with. I really took like my weight was my worth and and I had been told to lose weight like by dance teachers. I'd been cast in like national tours and been told, yeah, but you need to be 10 pounds thinner. So that was like a really negative part of dance that since I have turned in, in sort of being in running and fitness, it's like really changed the way I look at because it's like that was such a negative uh, space to be in. But with with fitness now, it's all about like how I feel, why I run is because I want to feel good, not about how I look. Um, so I guess, I don't know, that it sounds negative, but there was, it, it dance growing up as a professional dancer was just really hard. It was really strict. So I take good and bad things from that, I guess. I think you, all three of you touched on, you know, our relationship with our bodies uh, from, you know, the time that we're young until now. And what I will say is that coming to terms with the idea that I am an athlete, because I think that's something that we all experience, 
uh, certainly gave me a new appreciation for my body. Uh, a little bit about my backstory. I lost 70 pounds in college and really struggled uh, and still struggle with body acceptance and understanding that, yes, you can appreciate your body, but it's the whole dialogue that's happening internally that makes you really appreciate your body. And so I would love to kind of wrap on that, I guess, for a minute of when maybe there was a time for you that you really started to appreciate your body, not just as an athlete, but now these days as a woman. Um, and, and I mean, I'll kick us off. I had a really bad bout of negative self-talk about a year and a half ago. And I was actually on a work trip in Spain. And I remember running up these huge mountains, things that I could have never done years ago. But the whole time, instead of enjoying that experience, I remember the negative dialogue. I remember what I was saying to myself. And I got home from that trip and I literally sat myself down and I was like, you are powerful, you are strong, and you need to take some time to reshape this and appreciate what you're capable of. And so, I mean, that was my experience with, with the appreciation of not just my body, but of what I can do with sports. So I'd love for you all to kind of touch on that and talk to me about maybe Lindsay even, just when did you get to the point, and I'm assuming maybe it was with running after dance, that you were just like, wow, how beautiful is it that I can do this? Yeah, so... The uh, about five years ago, I tore my ACL, and it was like, if you know, if you know, it's the worst injury, right? And it was one of the hardest times of my life. It was like I became so depressed. I was so I felt fat. I felt sad, and I just felt like useless. And I felt like it's a really long recovery. So for eight months, I was like, I'm never going to be able to walk again. And like, I I miss being able to move and jump and like dance and and feel strong in my body. So, oh my God, I remember it, the, when I was finally cleared, which felt like literally years to jog on a treadmill, I just sobbed because I was just like, I'm jogging at like a four oh. But it made me realize, and like I really did not realize this until this happened to me, that like movement and your ability, your body's ability to move is such a gift and it could be taken away from you at any second. And that injury was horrible, but it was also like the best thing that ever happened to me because I, there is not a day that goes by whether I'm teaching or I'm running that I am just, I, I can only be grateful for the body I have. And it also flipped the script on, I don't care how I look. I care that I can move and like losing weight or whatever your fitness goals are, that's going to come with that. But if you start with the reason why, like the, looking good or like having a nice butt like that is such a bonus to like the gift that movement brings me personally no one can take away your why yeah ever one thing I would add is that I like I told you guys that I felt really strong as I was like going through my teenage years and you know getting into adulthood because of running um I know for sure that like that's a thing in the running community. I always felt extremely lucky to go to a school that we had just started our like division one status. And so the folks on the team, it was a really small team at AU, they came in all shapes and sizes and there was all different ability levels. They weren't necessarily recruited, right? The team that I joined at American. And 
As a result, I had a wonderful college experience. When I talk to a lot of my um, colleagues who are other professional athletes and they talk to me about college, there were so many stories about like crazy coaches that would like have this culture of girls like weighing themselves and pitting people against each other. Um, I mean, I have a good friend that went to Wake Forest and she said that her coach didn't want eating disorders to spread. And so she like broke the team up into eaters and non-eaters. And she like didn't want the healthy girls to hang out too much with the girls that weren't eating. It was like a whole thing. And I, that was like bizarre. Like I never, I, you know, I never experienced that in college. So for that, I'm really thankful. Um, but I will say that when I became a professional athlete, one of the things that really disturbed me was that I would go places in like plain clothes um, or be somewhere with my mom and her friends would be like, oh my gosh, like you look great. Like you're so skinny. Do you eat? Few things. So first off, like I don't, you know, it bothered me a lot. You know, I'm an African-American woman and in my community, it's almost the opposite. Like if you're skinny, people are worried about you. You know, they're like, are you okay? Are you eating? You know, are you resting? You know, um, that's like a cultural thing. And so I don't know how that got so tightly linked for some people with like beauty and acceptance. And the other thing was that I was training for a marathon during those times and I was running like a hundred 85 miles a week, right? And I was eating, I had a voracious appetite. I was eating everything that like anybody left out, you know, errantly, you know, eating other people's leftovers in my refrigerator. And it was very bizarre to me that like people didn't make this connection between like strength and taking care of yourself and that they would look at somebody who was really tiny and really live and not understand that this person has a lifestyle dedicated to this thing. Like I looked that way kind of as a function of what I was doing and not because I was trying to like fit into this jumpsuit or those jeans. And so that, I got a lot of comments like that from other women and I would always talk to them and say like, well, like I want you to know that, you know, I spend hours in Pilates classes and doing workouts and doing 18 mile long runs, um, you know, why on earth would you ever compare yourself to me unless like you're endeavoring to do the same kind of thing? It was very disturbing. So I think that like people, you know, it's really good that we're having these kinds of conversations because I think that it's so important that people look at their body as something very different than like what we get from like magazines and television on a consistent basis. Two quick things and then I'd love to hear from Molly. First off, the jumpsuit is fire. <laughs> Secondly, I sat down uh, with Robin Arzon from Peloton for the show and she said something that I thought was really valuable is that so many people look at her and they say, how can I get your abs? And she says, I spend six hours a day doing fitness. I don't want you to have my abs unless you are also doing six hours a day doing fitness. And so, so often we look at someone who might have something that we want or we think that we want, but then you have to ask yourself, like, is it a function of my life to have that thing? And if it's not, that's okay. It's okay. Molly. Yeah, I, I totally identify with all that. I always say if I want it to look a different way, I would train a different way. But 
I train by what I love to do. I love to run. I love to ride my bike. And so my body is just a, a result of that. And um, by doing those things, I found so much pride and self-confidence in my body. It became something more than just what it looks like. It, it My body is what it can do and what I can do. Um, but similarly to you, Lynn, I broke my ankle when I was 16 years old, like a horrible break. I had a double fracture dislocation. Um, and doctors told me I would never run again. I would never do much of anything. And I was just a kid. Um, so my mom was like, screw that. I was told I couldn't curse. So <laughs> I just had to make sure I didn't. Um, and like, we got a second opinion and she was like, you're 16 years old. Like, go be a kid. If you have to deal with it when you're 40, then we'll figure that out when you're 40. And so I, uh, went back to playing soccer and I've since run mile races to half marathon races. I work at runner's world. Um, and I started riding my bike uh, as a way to cross train because it's um, easier on your joints. And I have then, you know, ridden a bike in all the most beautiful places in the world. It's taken me on adventures I could have never dreamed of. And, um, you know, I get to work in cycling as well. And so the, the injury for me has changed my entire perspective on everything that my body can do. I'm so grateful to just be able to like walk every day sometimes. Same, literally same. And I, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. I, I don't want anybody to have to go through like a horrible injury to like develop that perspective or that gratitude, but it's completely changed my life. Like I'm just so glad that I can do anything that I'm able to do because of that. Samia, has injury ever really stricken you? Obviously Lindsay and Molly talked about their experiences. I had, I had like a bad training stint because we had a really rough winter in Virginia and our team didn't like go away somewhere else to train um, over like the winter months. Um, and so there was like snow and ice and it kept like melting and refreezing. And I was running, doing like some of my like long runs on that. And I had like a, like a weird thing with my hip that had to get a lot of like treatment. But otherwise I, I haven't really I can't say that I was like ever hindered by a lot of injury. My, my coach at the time was big on like soft surface running. And so a lot of times, especially for longer races, if I had like two runs in a day, I would do my shorter runs on like, like through the neighborhood on the asphalt, but almost everything else, even my tempos was done on like a dirt path or a gravel path. Interesting. Uh, I'm curious to know from all of you, if you have a specific time, uh, either growing up as an athlete or now as an athlete, uh, that you reflect on as one of your most proud moments in your sports. I'll kick us off. You're welcome. Uh, these days I'm a runner. It's all, still, like every time I say it, it still never feels real, which is just ridiculous because I probably run five or six days a week. I'm sure a lot of you can relate. Uh, I last year, uh, trained my butt off for Chicago and I went into it after a summer for the first time of what I would like to call for me running fast. I was running faster than I ever had before because I was training for short distance races, which was so fun as someone who considers themselves a long distance person. And so I went out there and I ran fast and I tried a different couple mile races and they were a whole lot of fun. And so I showed up for Chicago 
and ran a BQ. And that was something that Emily in college, who struggled with her weight and body acceptance and all of these things, like it was never in my vocabulary. It was never something I even dreamed of. So to do that for me and kind of let go of this version of myself, this self-limiting version of myself was so empowering. So I'd love to know from you guys, when has sport truly empowered you to be your best self? Uh, the first marathon I, run, I ran was the New York City Marathon. And I was like, okay, this was obviously the most incredible experience of my life. But I think I want to do it again just so I can do it just a little bit better. So even if it's just like my confidence or if it's just like a minute faster. And this earlier before the second New York City Marathon I ran, I started reading Dina Castor's book, Let Your Mind Run, which if you haven't read it, it's such an incredible book. And it really talks all about like, what are you saying to yourself? What, and, and you could take that in life or when you're running. And it, it, it was like an exercise, like go out on a run and just like listen to what you're saying to yourself. And I could not believe like the excuses that I would come up with, the negative comments I would like say to myself, like, oh my, like I would look at my watch and instantly like sabotage myself on my run. So it started out small and it started out with like a couple miles of me just like like I feel like a psycho but like on a loop just being like yes you can yes you can yes you can you can do it and like saying the these words over and over had such a great impact on me so when the second marathon I ran uh I ran a 41 minute PR and I honestly yeah like it was it it was almost like I and I know you guys have probably had these runs before you know when like everything is just flowing and you just feel like someone's like carrying you forward like and like you wish for those moments and for it to happen at the marathon was just like, I was so grateful. And it was just, it was, the PR was, I, my body could have done it always, but it was in my mind. So that was like such a huge accomplishment for me. Isn't it so powerful when you realize that you did that? Like you did that. You showed up and you put in the work and that happened because you showed up for you. And that's just really empowering. It's wild. It's like, I never thought I could run a marathon. I never thought I could run a half marathon. I never thought I could run a 10K. And it's like, you do these things and you're like, who is this girl? Like, I look back and I'm like, I knew she was always there, but like, it's so cool because you're always becoming and to see like you yourself evolve is, is so awesome. What a rock star. Oh, thanks, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, what about you? Um, last year I did what's called a prestige bike race I, I don't know it's hard to call it a race it's a timed event but uh it's not like a perf it's not like a sanctioned bike race um it was out in boulder colorado i had ridden there a couple times prior to that and i'm garbage at altitude like <laughs> truly just no oxygen to be had and so i've ridden out there before but i could only make it like 20 miles and then i'm you're out like I, you, it's very hard coming from New York City um so this prestige was uh I think it was 90 miles uh over 10,000 feet of climbing so it's just it's a bear um I had a lot of anxiety going out to it um you do it in teams of four and this event was all women which was really special and awesome um I did it with my one girlfriend uh, from New York and two women from LA. We were the sea level team because everybody else was local and we were like, this is gonna be so difficult for us. Um, 
but you just roll out and you take it one climb at a time. And during the biggest climb of the day, you get to the top of the mountain and you like look out into the most beautiful vista you can ever imagine. And I just, I was just sobbing. <laughs> and my friend's like, are you okay? Are you hurt? Like, what's wrong? And I was just, I was just so proud. Like I, I set my mind to doing this thing. Um, I was going through like a lot of stuff in my personal life. And uh, I went out there with like a few of my closest girlfriends and, and we just did it together. Um, and finishing that, that day was just such a huge moment of pride for me. And, um, you just feel so accomplished and it's exactly what you say. You just show up for yourself. Nobody else did it for you. You know, there's a ton of people that help you get there and a ton of things in your mind that helped you get there. But at the end of the day, it's just you. So I think, I think that was really powerful for me. I think, um, probably the most like kind of limiting thought that I had was maybe earlier on in my running career when I was in college and my coach was trying to get me to transition to longer distances in high school. Every, anybody that's running college kind of goes through this anyway, where you think you're like so fast at something shorter than you really are. And uh, you end up being like encouraged to move up and that's kind of like where you shine. So for in, in in high school, I think I ran like mile, two miles. So I was always on the longer end of the spectrum. And basically I made a move from doing like cross country and 5K um, on the track to the 10K. And I really fought my coach forever about this. I mean, I was like, people go get hot dogs during the 10K. I mean, how many laps is it? Like, what is the point? Like, it's so boring. Like, what are we even doing? So I ran it twice in college and the second time, no, I ran it three times in college, and the third time is when I became one of the first female All-Americans at American University. And so I was Woo. like, well, that went pretty good at NCAAs, and so um, I think I'm, I'm okay with this like really long, you know, it's still kind of boring, but I'm, I'm okay with it. And so that really helped shape the rest of my career and get into a lot of road running and stuff after that. Um, I would say that, you know, my, my proudest moment was when I was in this weird transitional period between um, college and running professionally. I was uh, like a, a fifth year, like first year master's degree student in psychology at AU. And um, I wasn't really sure what was going to come next. I really wanted to run full time. And I basically... On like Father's Day in June, I ran this 5K because I was living at home. And I didn't really have any money. And my dad was always so proud of every like running achievement I ever had. So we did this 5K race together and I won it. And I won a new pair of shoes and I gave him these shoes. And that's when I met my professional, what would become my professional coach. And um, eventually got this sponsorship with Reebok. But uh, it was, it went from something that made me feel really like sad and kind of like, you know, a loser. A lot of my friends were going off to like start their careers and getting married and having kids, all kinds of stuff. Um, and I was really proud of myself for kind of, you know, uh, holding on tight to my own goals and dreams uh, because something that seemed very like attractive and kind of what everybody else was doing at the next stage of their life uh, ended up being like the best adventure of a lifetime. You know, running is giving me, 
everything. I traveled around the world, met wonderful people, um, and learned a lot about myself. And so, yeah, I think that was probably like the beginning of, you know, a very proud moment for me. I love that. So we talked proud moments, but what I think is important also to touch upon might be some of those more difficult times. Injuries aside, I know we've wrapped on that a little bit, but if you can reflect on a certain moment growing up in sport that taught you a really important lesson. Uh, for me, I, as everyone does freshman year, everyone's allowed on the freshman volleyball team in high school, but not the JV volleyball team, fun fact. So I came back personally my sophomore year, not really considering myself an athlete, and I had worked so hard over that summer to try to run a mile in under 10 minutes. And I was running all the time and was running all the time. And then it came the day that I had to run the mile and I couldn't do it in under 10 minutes. And I didn't make the JV volleyball team. And it's funny because I look back on that time now because that experience actually deterred me from sport for a while. I felt like I wasn't good enough. And how horrible is that, that that's how we talk to young woman, you're not good enough. You can't be on this team because you can't do this little itty bitty thing. I was great at serving the ball, just FYI. So that was a moment that really, I mean, sadly at the time deterred me from sport, but I look back on it now almost with like affection because I'm like, well, take the BQ. So anything tough that you guys went through as young athletes that has framed who you are today? Just again, being a professional dancer and like, on, when I was I, I was 18 when I did my first national tour I did the Broadway show Greece and I literally left college for it like I left and was on like a bus the next day I was like I don't even know what I'm doing like it was wild and even you know growing up in dance weight was a big issue but we were being weighed weekly by a male stage manager on Greece and like now now me I would be like uh, absolutely not, like no way. But at the time you're just like, this is normal. And you're standing in line with girls and now that girl is skinnier than you. And like, it was so damaging. So like the relationship that, and I've like, truly I've never been skinny or larger. Like, I just, I feel like I'm a very just average looking woman, but my relationship with like the way that I looked and the way that other people looked, it felt like almost competitive. Like, these girls will get the best jobs or the best shows because of how their body looks. So it was really like, it was really hard for me and it took some time to overcome. And again, it was my injury that really taught me to care less about how I looked and more about how I feel. But that was, it was rough. Was I think tough. you're stellar. Thanks. And not Thanks, average. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Any tough moments for the two of you to reflect on? I mean, I, I talked about my injury, it certainly changed the trajectory of my life um so that that was probably the hardest thing I've ever gone through and it's something when you have chronic arthritis it's something you it just never goes away so when I got the job at runner's world it's hard for me to I feel so proud that I could represent a different voice at runner's world I didn't 
grow up running track and field or uh, that just wasn't my background. My background was fitness. Um, so I'm all about sexy pace. That's the pace I run. It's not slow. It's sexy. You look good running it. Molly, talk to me. Like, give <laughs> some more definition to sexy yeah, pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I use sexy pace so much. And people are like, what does that mean? It's uh, at runners level, go for lunch runs. And you want to, you know, tell people what pace you're running. And we just don't ever want to call anything slow. It's it's negative. It's It just has a negative connotation connotation and so we started calling them sexy pace runs um and you just look good doing it I mean nobody looks good sprinting to a finish line like you're like drooling at your mouth that's not sexy pace that's like your fast sprint pace that's your mile pace um so I'm a big believer in sexy pace runs and for me like it the injury as I became an adult I had to learn how to like own this part of me and 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 know that that's valuable too and that it's okay that my background isn't a certain thing and actually it's a positive aspect I can bring a different perspective to things I can bring a different voice to things so I feel like that's been a journey that I've I've been on I'm still on and um but it's it's been really good for me I think that I touched on you know the the most difficult sort of thing earlier, which is just creating a life in a space and a career in something that like wasn't really a thing. You don't get like drafted to be a professional runner. It's not like you're like on television, like an NBA player, like waiting for somebody to like pick you for a team and then you go off and like, I don't know what they do, like ride out of the stadium in a Lamborghini that's not what it was with running. And um, you definitely, you know, everything that you do, because running is kind of an individual sport, you know, there's aspects of a team sport and cross country, but, um, you know, it's on, it's on you, right? And so that's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, the best part is that, you know, you can give yourself credit, you know, for, for persevering. And I ran in as a, as a professional for seven years and I had a really like awesome career that I'm very proud of. Um, and I think that, you know, it's a, it's a non-traditional way to go. Like I said, there was a lot of things happening around me with my peers and people that ran with me on my college team. And um, it takes a lot of courage to do something that's not like, okay, step one in life is like this. And then, you know, step two is that. And, you know, a lot of things. I got married, you know, later in life. You know, I don't have any children to this day. Like, a lot of things that people don't always, like, talk about, right? I talked about it all the time with my colleagues. But, again, it comes down to, you know, thinking about what it is that you really want. You know, like, re what really lights you up, right? And trying your best to, like, create a life for yourself that um, that kind of falls around that instead of doing what's always expected of you so definitely so right now if this room was full of young girls young women young athletes that you were just like at one point if this room was full of young women and they were looking to you for some sort of advice on you know should I keep with this sport thing what should I do what shouldn't I do what piece of advice would you offer these young girls? I would, 
I would just, I mean, if I'm thinking about my younger self, I would just say to believe in yourself. I mean, um, the self-limiting thoughts and some of those insecurities, I think that's just a part of being human and not necessarily a part of being a female. But unfortunately for females, we, um, you know, there's like systemic problems that, that emphasize that for us. And, and some of the things that you mentioned and the struggles that you, you, we've all had are, are the system failing us and not necessarily us self-limiting because of our gender. And so I would want young women out there to know that they can do whatever they put their minds to and that, you know, we're all, I hope we're all working as hard as we can to change that for them and um, to change the root of the problems and to help them see their potential and so that they can fulfill it. Jeez, I would say, I would say stop comparing yourself to the person to the right and left of you because it's so easy to do. And the more you compare yourself, the more you're taking away all the gifts that you have to bring. You know, I used to think it was like me against this girl, me against that girl. And the second I realized like, no, we can all do this together and we can all rise higher and vibrate higher together. Like that really changed everything for me. And I, I think it's so important that women encourage and respect and lift up other women. And that should start from a young age. It doesn't have to start when you're older. It can start as kids, you know. I think to piggyback off of that, um, I think that, you know, you can lift other people up if you are happy, if you feel lifted, you know, generally. And I, I'm not one of those people that thinks like happiness is like a destination, like check, I'm happy. Now I can just like chill. I think, you know, life is hard. There's lots of struggles. You should try really hard to find joy. But to that end, I think especially for women, we do so many things for other people, whether it's like the comparison thing, or like I said, I'm not a mom, but I have a lot of friends and family who are, you know, just like doing stuff for your family or your spouse or whatever, um, or for other people's approval. And I think that, you know, people forget that, you know, it's okay to like, think about your life in terms of like what it is that's truly going to make you happy you know in the race of like trying to make sure that you can take care of yourself and have like food and shelter and and do the fun things that you want to do make sure that like that's always at the core of whatever it is and you know I feel like you'll find your way if you can kind of like stick to that path and I think just one other thing that I would add is that it's okay if things don't go as you had hoped and there's so much beauty in what we might commonly refer to as failure, because when those things happen, that's an opportunity for us all to learn and then reshape that and then move forward. And oftentimes when we move forward, we're better than when we started anyway. Uh, winding down here, what does sport look like for you guys today? And do you have any goals on the horizon? What does sport look like for me today? Um, honestly, it's exactly what you were speaking to. I just try to do what makes me happy. I'm running a little bit, uh, riding my bike a little bit. I do a bit of yoga and strength training and I'm, I'm just in the pursuit of balance, like physically and mentally. I just, um, you know, I, I try to wake up every day and just say like, what do I feel like doing today? What's going to make me feel good? Um, so I don't have any races on the calendar or any big events. I'm, I'm just really trying to enjoy it. A lot of what I, remember from being an athlete as a kid are like the 
the mundane things. Like my dad was my coach and we would lose games, but we'd get in the car and like play music and sing together. And, and I'm trying to, as I get older, remember like those are, those are the big things. It's not like if you won the game or lost the game, it's like that minutia. It's like being present in those moments. And so I'm, I'm, that's really what it looks like for me today. I'm not racing at all these days. I just want to run forever, you know? I just want to go out on a green space with not too many people, listen to some music, come back and be like not grumpy and have my head feel like clear and sharp and, and be available to, you know, be able to pour love into every other aspect of my life, so. Jeez, I mean, yeah, I'm running, I guess I am kind of running a lot this year. Um, I'm taking a break from the New York City Marathon because my PR was so epic. I'm going to let it settle, oh, you're settle for a minute. But um, I'm going to run the Chicago Marathon this year. I'm excited for that because it's, I hear it's flat. It's very flat. There's one hill. It's right. very at the end. Great. I'm thrilled for that. <laughs> I'm running Seaweeds in Vancouver, which I'm like really excited for because that's supposed to be like the most incredible half marathon. Um, and I just want to continue encouraging other women to enjoy running and find your why behind it and to worry less about your splits and your pace. And just like, I just want us all to like get out there because we love it and because it makes us feel good. So, well, I just want to take the time to thank the three of you for coming to sit down with me. And again, if you don't subscribe to Hurdle yet, please head on into the iTunes store, rate, subscribe, review. And tune in on the regular. Let's give it up for these ladies right here. Thank you. Thank you.